0: Radio, your gamer's role.
1: Welcome to the Wondrous Atlas of Creation's Destiny, your podcast guide to all places and plots exalted. I'm Rouse.
0: And I'm Aramithius. just before we get
1: started. We have emails for your angry letters telling me that I should be nicer to the house of Ragara. You can email us at wondrousatlas at gmail.com or you can put reviews on whichever service you are using to listen to us.
0: Yeah, Things like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, Stitcher. uh, They will eventually filter through whatever the platform, but we may pick them up, but they may be a little bit delayed. (laughs) Is the thing.
1: Yeah. And we're also drive through RPG affiliates, so you can all go and buy Aspect Book Wood, which is worryingly becoming the source of me- much insanity.
0: Yeah, it's one of those books where you can just kind of read and you think, what on earth were they thinking?
1: i.e., Peak Second. It's a first edition book. Oh, geez, yeah. It's predating. It's yeah? It's Peak Second before Second happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Yeah, get that in M-O-E-P Infernals, and you'll just see everything Mm. wrong with 2nd Edition's writing trends.
0: Yeah, pretty much. But Anyway, before this thing gets derailed entirely and our brains melt, we should probably actually talk about what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about story hooks and ideas and things that you can do with school games, secondary school games, dragon-blooded secondary school games. And we'll probably wander off that concept as a fair bit as well, because in, in sort of the pre-show chat, we had some ideas of what other kinds of education can you have where exaltation sort of fits in? And there were some ideas getting bounced around. So we'll see where on earth this conversation goes. But but we'll try to at least start with the conventional ideas of the dragon-blooded education in the realm. So we're dealing with your big secondary schools like the House of Bells, the Spiral Academy, the Heptogram, and the Cloister of Wisdom, and Passyap stair as sort of your main places to do this stuff, but we may kind of go a bit broader at some points. So I, I also want to talk about quite what you do with the minor schools and stuff as well.
1: Yeah. So the first question, really, that we have to get to is how much do you as storyteller or your players want to actually do this whole school thing? As in the actual structure of it versus just using it as a setting.
0: Yes, it's a little difficult because if you think about an awful lot of your high school drama in inverted commas, a lot of the drama happens outside of the classroom, So having things that are trying to kind of frame it as lessons and they're just talking at the back or something, the way that realm secondary schools are set up to be these places of monstrous discipline where everyone is just studying to within an inch of their lives isn't hugely fun as presented because you just end up abstracting a whole lot of study, basically. And so you need to find ways to sort of insert the bits of drama at various points or or take liberties with the setting, which is probably my recommendation for it, that you veer more towards those alternative media types that have those kinds of drama conceits, that it's just at the end of the lesson or in between lessons and so on. For putting in lesson content, if you have players who are new, you can potentially have a role play out of some aspects of the setting being explained and so on. So, but you need to make that a conversation. Uh, making it an info dump isn't going to make it engaging. It's a fine balance to strike.
1: The other bit, of course, if you want to do lesson content is, and you are going to hear me say this a lot across this episode, the heptagram is the exception. It's funky enough there that you can get away with doing it.
0: Yes, absolutely. And it's also a personal enough thing that you do need to explore the lessons in some way because when people get initiated into sorcery it's a personal journey so you need to be able to explore what that journey is in some way so it's going to be a conversation between a student and a tutor and any other students that they get on with to kind of explore what it means to be a sorcerer and just poking at the various bits of the cosmos until they give way and just having a rough framework for that where they can do that is probably the best way forward although even with the heptogram it's not going to be your standard school really there's yeah. sort of the idea of it, that those terms sort of start off structured or the the each year of the heptogram starts off structured and kind of tails off to be less and less structured yeah. as you get the basics down and so Kind of planning that sort of pacing in would work quite nicely. I did think, just to go on a system level for the Heptacam game that I'm planning, the way that Dragon Blooded Sorcery works, you need to know four occult charms before you can take Terrestrial Circle Sorcery. So if you think about the way training times work, you have a potential framework for kind of buying that up. And I also had the rough idea of having. People try to do the occult charms as sorcerous workings if they don't already know them, because sorcerous workings lets you do things in the circle of sorcery above where you are. So you can have people trying to make occult charm effects or make terrestrial circle things without being a terrestrial circle sorcerer and that then plugs you into the sorcerer's workings framework with the rules of intervals of weeks and so on you go into a bit more sort of a long-term play but it, it gives you a term structure which you can then plug into a school very very easily and then you can do things like gathering magical materials doing stuff like reading up to give yourself boosts to particular roles and that sort of thing it it becomes a mechanical system quite easily and yeah. the i think the key thing it also needs to become a different mechanical thing and i think this holds for most of the schools if you are trying to do a sort of a get better montage over time then the kind of challenges that you give the players have to be varied It can't be the case of, oh, you now roll dice because you've hit things hard enough and now you're a better martial artist at the cloister. You've got to build in narrative milestones and narrative challenges um, as ways to express how the pupils are developing. It means that you need to get into the guts of what the PCs are and what they're trying to achieve a lot more. And so you can get a sense of what obstacles
1: they're going to face for this particular round. The Cloister. weirdly now you sort of mention it, the more I think about it, the more I think the Cloister is the hardest one of the big secondary schools to actually do a game in. Yes. Because it doesn't really have much dodginess going on in it. Like, Because the, the <laughs> Spiral Academy would be boring, but there's so much dodgy nonsense going on that you could just turn it into a dig up dirt on the entire school and staff game. <laughs> the Heptagram is the Heptagram. The House of Bells and the Stair both actually... Let you use all of the game systems. But The Cloister is a bit trickier with that. It would need a very particular sort of game to, or a very particular sort of players to get actually into it. Because it would be quite zen.
0: Yeah, you'd need to be able to discuss theology. <laughs> and that would be sort of the conversations that you would have. Make theology into interpersonal conflict and have that as kind of fighting against your. Not, well, not fighting against, but clashing with your... Potentially
1: literally fighting. Let's not forget how immaculate debates happen. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, that
0: could work. And then you've got various skill checks that you've got to make. And then you say, well, how are you going to achieve such and such thing? And then working out how you can then build in challenges involving action flurries and those sorts of things while you're doing it. And because you can then sort of introduce the game systems as well. You can say, this is now fighting as your sort of your first few sessions as you're sort of sparring. Then you introduce debate and the social rules. Then you introduce debate while fighting and flurry (laughs) and that sort of thing. You can do... A fair amount with the systems the trick there is to not make it that the dice rolls determine whether folks win or not or advance within the school i think it's yeah. that you've got to make so that the players choices and how they face the challenges on a choice level it's, um, is what advances things which is the tricky
1: bit it's the point here where i would almost make the very very controversial statement of especially if you are doing the cloister game with that one where it is debate and all that PvP. Yes. Because I think that's the one time where, one of the few times where it's actually probably better on both how the players, how satisfied the players will feel coming out of the end of it. Yeah. To go against each other rather than to go against an NPC. Because in that sort of case, in either way, like the actual fist fight coming down to dice rolls, whatever, that's how combat works. But the sort of debate side of it, My gut says that a lot of players will feel that you, as the storyteller, are either deliberately holding back too much with it, or, like, if they end up losing, you're just pummeling them into the ground. Whereas when they're going against their sort of peers and equals in this, it'll feel a lot better even for the ones that lose.
0: Yes. Those sorts of confrontations in the first few sessions of of the game are part of the kind of part and parcel of feeling out the social order in a, in a secondary school yeah. so that's sort of something that should happen naturally so to speak that it mm. not necessarily that it'll get down to them throwing punches at each other but within quite a few school settings it probably will a house of bells i don't think would weirdly enough would be one of the ones that would do that but certainly within the ups- your yeah. fang at least yeah
1: actually no probably in the first few weeks within the fang there absolutely would be because it would be yes. establishing the pecking order
0: yes mm, although well it's it depends on how you want to establish that in the game that you're running but to my mind at least the leader of the fang would be assigned and then there's a case of will you accept the hierarchy you've been given that's part of the education yeah. of the realm but it, although, it depends on what sort of an emphasis you want to put in on your games for that
1: That's true. But To be fair, in the books, it doesn't actually mention that these Fangs have a Fang Lord. So it might be a case if they have put them together as a blob and expect them to work as a unit rather than as a command structure.
0: Yeah, the kind of sort of emergent discipline idea. Or
1: rather that the teachers serve as your officer rather than any of you serving as your officer.
0: Yes. Within the sort of the... Battle royales that happen regularly at those schools. It's generally speaking the older students that direct the younger ones. So that may well happen.
1: Yeah, they don't end up barracking with them, though, is the thing. So it's. The bit we've got here in our nice little notes, though, here is the three different ways you can actually structure these school games in the longer term Harry Potter, the Magicians, or Sailor Moon. <laughs> <laughs> and we are going to have to unpack that. <laughs> we are. So. Yes. It basically comes down to the question of. How quickly do you want to go? You can take option one, Harry Potter, where, as in the Harry Potter books, you go through it year by year, making sure every educational milestone is a narrative milestone. You do your exams. Even if they are just rolls of some flavor, that's how you pace your story, is out across the academic year and potentially multiple academic years if you want to, but that's how you time it. Option two, The Magicians, something I have not consumed and had to confer with my co-host about what was going on with it.
0: Absolutely. Uh, The Magicians, uh, basically, this is the the Lev Grossman series where you have the main character and his various friends that go through three years of you um, see the three years or four years i can 't remember precisely of wizard University or magicians University within the first three quarters or two thirds of the first book of the series and then they graduate stuff happens and it kind of leads into a more general existing within a magical world framework so mm. you could in that sense sort of use secondary schools as an extended prologue, if you like, have the first few sessions as you going through secondary school together, getting to know who your half are, the ways that you meet, the ways that you support each other through high school, uh, the way that you do in high school is sort of generally established through some fairly abstract roles. And then you graduate after a handful of sessions, however long you want to take to establish just your half as a a postgraduate unit that then disappear off and go adventuring or get given important things to do by their houses and stuff so that's sort of the difference between those two and the harry potter one where it's very very in-depth as to this is what's happening in this academic year versus that academic year. And the narrative differences there is that Harry Potter is punctuated by the academic concerns, whereas the magicians, the educational framework is there to serve the narrative. And it depends on what your players want as to how useful that is. And if you want a high school game as just entirely a high school game, then you'll likely lean towards the Harry Potter side of things. But if you want a high school as a prologue, then The Magicians is the structure you want.
1: Then option three, on the, as I'm now having to visualise it, sliding spectrum of how to do high school games, Yes. over here, we have Harry Potter, purely academic. Over here, we have The Magicians, sort of focusing on it a bit, but mostly having it serve the narrative. On the other extreme now, we have Sailor Moon, or now the more that I think about it, and insert my actual favourites here, Bleach, where... The high school aspect of this here is not quite a backdrop, not quite a hindrance, but kind of both. This Mm -hmm. is the one where your players are up to something else. We were talking about before the show, what if you exalt wrong? This is the Sailor Moon and Bleach type game, but also the way you can do it even with Dragonbloods to stay on the season's actual topic. This one does actually require players to be of the same house, but If you are a house like Sinus, or especially Cessus, or if you want to be absolutely nutty and allow players to have different houses but still be of the same, it's It's the case of you are going to school, doing the school things, but what you're actually up to and trying to hide is the main plot. And so the school is the pretense you have to keep up that then potentially can have the sort of emergent plots of, again, especially if it's I've run a long, long game with an Assalsi character that means I am worryingly familiar with how they'll operate. You can end up going native for your cover, is the sort of thing, and actually liking doing the school more than doing whatever dodgy assalsi you're up to.
0: Yes, that's true. And then you've also got other options of potentially having one or two other exalt types mixed in there and trying to hide what they are yeah. and trying to pass themselves off as dragon-blooded. It's, um, <gasps> granted, I'm not sure that that would work too well with actual academic staff in a boarding school context because you are under constant screws from the 24-7 almost. And Depends they will on the know type. what aspect proclivities are like versus whatever you're going to manifest as a Celestial.
1: Depends what the type is and the situation because my Spark of inspiration here And dear am just to sort of spoil My regular group is two players So a lot of my ideas will come across the idea Of a sort of one on one dynamic with the players mm-hmm. Twins <laughs> <laughs> One of whom exalts wrong That's where you've got your incentive for the dragon blooded player To keep the other one safe and happy And yes. like, easy mode is if they're like a Sid Or something that is naturally given to keeping itself hidden but the funnier one comes with when they are proper capital A anathema level exalts, your solar or your lunar. Because then it gets to the point of, yeah, okay, they've got all of this power, especially if you don't make it a big save the world plot and you do just keep it local. They've got all of this power that is way more than that. But you basically have to have the other player there as, to use to better term, cover. Because my gut is now sort of seeing the case of, the other player constantly having to flare their anima up and pretend they're not very good at controlling it as pretty much destroying evidence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's all sorts of little subterfuge techniques as you do that. And that that sort of game sort of turns into you really want to keep it low stakes because the instant it gets serious, then it will get very serious very
1: quickly and you'll have to run away. (laughs) The instant it gets serious, it comes to a thing we'll talk about later in the show. The other game premise that Struck like a bolt of lightning, almost fully formed. Which, weirdly, with a dragon blood and a non dragon blood, is almost more interesting. Mm hmm. Uh, but yeah, with, with those sorts of games runaway. you could also
0: use to explore and do do a sort of realm critique of how do the characters feel about the various bits of the realm if you've got someone who is willing to let on what they are uh, versus someone who is and a dragon blood. So you've got this sort of teasing out at those sort of vulnerable stages where you're kind of still forming ideas in theory anyway because yeah i'd imagine that uh, typical sort of adolescent ages the realm you're a bit more set in your ways than you tend to be in most english speaking yeah. societies at least uh, at the moment just because you are programmed so heavily from birth
1: yeah and again i think it is going to be very very dependent on the actual players getting that bond and that is very player determined because Sometimes players will want to actually have that sort of pre-existing connection, especially when the players are already quite buddy-buddy, and yep. I've seen the case where over enough games of having to do the let's discover each other's character bit, where people will just be like, nah, we knew each other before this, so that they can get to the fact that they already know there's a good chemistry you can work with. Yep. And this is exactly that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's also a little trick you can potentially do to sort of build out your school, because if you are doing a school game, you need to create an atmosphere of there are lots of other pupils around. And making that many NPCs, even if you're doing something like the Heptagram, you're still building about 40 NPCs, which is a lot of work for you as a storyteller. So Mm. one of the ways that I would get around that and... I have been getting around that in the school game that I'm running at the moment is asking what sort of characters people want to interact with. What sort of rivals do they want? What sort of people do they want to like? Is it a question of they like someone who then doesn't notice them? Or is it someone who they want to get along with and just form school ties with? It is in a sense sort of pre-establishing and some plot points and, then it's a case of, well, we know it ends like this. Let's play to find out how we get there sort of idea, which some players may feel not hugely happy with, but it gives you a framework at least to build more characters on. And there's not really anything to say that, you can't say, "Can I have these as ideas and then potentially change them as I see fit or combine some people's suggestions into the same characters or split out different aspects into different characters, that sort of thing. However, the kind of narratives and types of player and the types of characters that your players want will fall out.
1: yeah the other bit as well, of course, if you want to actually have something solid on paper to go with. As to the Shogun it actually has a straight-up bit all about doing this that is pretty much th- third's main point of telling you how to do this, and second and first don't like telling you how to run games at all, so no. good luck with that. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, as the Shogun it talks you through the different archetypes and says, well, use these as ways to build characters, and that also will give you your various narrative beats and the ways that characters will act and how the players will understand these characters because if people are playing a, a secondary school game, I'm kind of assuming that they are will be familiar with some degree of high school media. So they will know some of the tropes. And yeah. this is one of the games where you want to embrace the tropiness, is, is my feeling, just because you are going to be dealing with things that are relationship wise and adolescence and kind of big emotions melodrama and all those kind of big sweeping emotional beats over absolutely nothing and so you can get very very silly over very very little and it should be fun it kind of i don't necessarily want to say pulpy but it's that sort of low stakes high drama and just letting people be ridiculous about things
1: yeah the other bit as well of course with it <laughs> the stakes by default are going to be assumed to be low because most school games you will do like the win state is graduating the lose state is getting expelled i'm couching my words very carefully here because there are a handful of ways you can turn that on its head as a storyteller. Especially in the heptagram. Oh, boy, in the
0: heptagram. But, well, loose state is death in several places.
1: Yes, but even when it's not in, in the heptagram, there are a lot of big characters in these schools, on the staff just as much as in the student body. You want a higher-stakes game... There's a little voice in my head that's almost saying, if you want sort of medium stakes, for use of a better term, SLC in the student body. You as students aren't going to know what an SLC is, but you know something shifty's going on. And it's that sort of bit. If you want it to get dark, there can be a hit. But in a boarding school environment, they probably almost don't want to do that, and they want it to be spying. Mm -hmm. Bonus point there, of course, where you end up accidentally rumbling assessus, who is also doing spying <laughs> um, yep. and let her get sent home and then he's just whining because mum and dad told him off for not being a very good spy or you want the really hardcore dangerous one and weirdly the cloister is the place for this because the cloister explicitly has an esselcy staff that's true that's very dangerous yes it's the sort of thing there of Because these are full of experienced and old dragon bloods, you're not really going to get away with the anathema trick unless it's a you exalt wrong and you've got a lot of people that are friendly with you covering covering for you. Yeah,
0: although the other way to flip that is the way that it one of the threads that gets presented in airs is that one of the teachers in the heptogram is being quite secretive. You manage to sneak your way into their study at one point and you're hiding behind their bookcase and you realise, oh, there's a golden disc on her forehead as she's meditating at night.
1: Yeah, okay. And to be fair, the heptogram's probably the one place where they could get away with that because Bagway strikes me as an ask-no-questions, tell-no-lies sort of guy. (laughs) Yes, Especially yeah. given his bit baggage. But you can do anathema on the thing. But it becomes the case of when you're playing the students there, it's not the struggle of can we beat them, especially when they're on staff. It's the can we get anyone to take us seriously.
0: Yes, it's your ca- kind of your kids on bikes kind of notion. Those sorts of films get the grown ups to believe.
1: And it's especially fun because if you have already like made the yell and stamped your feet and the other serious teachers have gone, no, that's silly they can't actually take you out because the moment then you drop, all of the teachers will look at the person you were loudly accusing. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's the bit of, you have to kind of almost try and be clever about it. It can get very, very funky very, very quickly.
0: Yes. Although that could almost, if you want to kind of attach a three-act structure to something like that, then you just have the initial takedown of you're not really worth my time. Slap. You make this a big, chunky Essence 3 Solar or something. Essence 3 Anathema of some sort. And just make it clear that they are way, way, way above the pay grade of the students. And so, a case of I can't kill you, but you deserve it, and make that kind of an uneasy stalemate that sort of happens, and kind of, who do you think they're going to believe sort of thing. I
1: mean, you can almost make it, if you wanted to be really quite spicy with it, probably harder with a solar, because solars have the predilection to just occasionally go nuts and wreck everything, but you could almost make it a case of the reason that the dodgy anathema that you're pointing fingers at isn't just taking you out, isn't even because they don't think they could get away with it, but it's because they're genuine, no, you're not the target, you're kids and they are still solars. they do they are still people because it's the case of anathema don't necessarily see dragons how dragons see anathema is is the thing yeah and you are a bunch of kids like in the heptagram example for that they're probably there for bagway let's be honest
0: <laughs> or they're yes. there
1: to nick all of his stuff
0: yeah and possibly one of the more subversive ideas of anathema in secondary schools is a luna in either Passy upstairs or the cloister because you've then got the idea of some recently adjusted outcasts and you've got a luna in there sowing the seeds of doubt about the realm and just trying to lead them away from everything the realm See? represents. And then you've got an, an ideological
1: fight going on. That's not where I would put a luna okay. in either of those. I would have put the luna in the House of Bells for a very specific reason. Right. This is a luna that doesn't normally wear people form. Very, very big campus. Yes. Funny animal going about. Because then it's the case of instead of having the sow the seeds of distrust sort of bit, it's the let's just see how much damage we can do to the entire like officer training corps here just by scaring them all witless. <laughs> <laughs> because it's the case of like you'll get the bit where some people from the Fang in the barrack next door come back. And one of them has got this big nasty cut and it very deliberately has been left alive. And they're like, yeah, there was some sort of big cat out there that tried to jump me. And it's the case of this lunar is very deliberately trying to make its its own monster myth.
0: Yeah, that could work. There's so many things you can do with with a lunar in the House of Bells now I think about it. Because yeah. my thoughts about the kind of the idea of an animal guerrilla fighter uh, please forgive the pun within the House of Bells is what sort of damage can they do to the school infrastructure how can they take down the institution and just kind of wear things away bit by bit by bit
1: and it's the bit as well as if they're clever what they do as well just because the realm is the realm start framing students for any of the infrastructure damage they do so that the yes. teachers just start coming again it's the so division like that sort of thing yeah if only because uh, I'm thinking this is the cloister you do more damage to the realm by making the House of Bells inefficient
0: that's true. And yeah, you could also play these either way, I'm realizing as we're talking about this. You could make the Hunt the Anathema a mystery thing that kind of goes on for a dragon blooded game, or you could just make it so that the players, particularly if you've got a small group, are the anathema trying to take the place down.
1: Yeah, and it's the case if you get to be the Scooby Doo monster. My thing with the cloister. The Asalcion staff is the obvious one, but if you want to do the anathema game there, this is the one where I think we get a bit clever and a bit funny and a bit the players are actually wrong to try and take it down as far as the realm is concerned.
0: Okay. You're going to have to explain that one.
1: This is the case where I think we put a Sid in.
0: Ah.
1: Now, it's not the normal place for Sids. We did cover in the lore episode that they don't seem to care about the cloister as much as they care about the Order, but you can give a Sid a mission. To be there, that's not particularly difficult. Like, the yeah. Sids go by and large wherever the job takes them, and the cloister has wandering itinerant lecturers a lot. Yeah, and so it's the thing of you get in there, and it's the bit of you as the kids being all your precocious Scooby Gang as you're going to be, trying to solve the mystery of the weird things happening at the school. That's basically just the side effects of a Sid being around and the Sids trying to conduct their own investigation into something serious. And it's the case of, if you want to make it have a real sort of sting in it, and a real third act twist villain bit, when they finally confront the Sid about it, the is like, if they've set things up so that they could actually like expose them, <laughs> like, a, like a clever one would, the yep. Sid having to basically point out, no, there's a whatever I'm after here, that's the problem, and then you get to join the person you've been going <laughs> up against the whole time to deal with the real problem. Probably a Gatimian, because anything else is going to be trouble. That
0: would take quite a bit of setup, though, because you, oh,
1: you would need to foreshadow both elements. The bit of, I would think, the way you, do, you go around with it, is you'll have three main types of clues. Yep. Thing one, and the one I think that will set the players off on it first, is weird magical residue. And it's mostly, it's why I'm thinking a Gitimian has to be the third act twist villain, because Sids and Gatimians, I kind of, they interact like sodium and water. And so it's the case of you'll just get the occasional peculiarity where reality has glitched a bit because those two have ended up bumping into each other and doing something odd. But it's the case of you as the ref do kind of have to set out. I would almost set out the timeline. I would give it a finite span. This is a case where I would Harry Potter it and put it one academic year. You map out when you are writing the game how if the players weren't there at all, the Sid and the Katimian's investigation would go at each other It's the case of, they both know the other is there, but they don't know who it is, and they don't know what they're after. And it's the case of, you as the players then basically get dropped in, because you can red herring them into looking into either direction, basically, and they'll probably end up thinking that it's one thing, because the powers look similar enough, especially when a lot of the scenes that they'll have seen from one will have been looked over by the other. And it'll be the case of people coming out of the rooms at night in hoods, and all of that stuff.
0: Yeah, and you have got you would then need to have them kind of
1: having interactions
0: with both, I think. Yes, you, both need, to the make staff them, members. you need to make just, them both teachers. Yes.
1: <laughs> and you need to make them both quite nice. And I'd almost imagine, again, if you want to make both of them clever, when they know the players are investigating, both of them are trying to sort of nudge them towards, okay, let's see if you can do my job for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely.
0: That's the way it should work. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
1: And it's the sort of thing of they think, oh yeah, these teachers are doing a great thing for us. Bonus point as well, of course, if you get at least one scene in there where they've got them both around a table asking, we're trying to find this out, we're trying to find this out. And the two of them are almost realising that they know who they're with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, then it's a case of, does this turn into the final boss battle where they set on each other and then you have the party just think, okay, what? Yeah, that could almost be the climax, the sort of the drawing room moment, that you have the sidereal and the Getimian. Sensei,
1: we figured it out! And they're both, they're yeah. both sitting down there like, ah, wonderful, good. Uh, probably get a third teacher in there, one who is genuinely a dragon, basically yes. so that the players don't think that their main... Because if they get that their mains might be a suspect, you need one that innocent, at least. Yes, that's true. <laughs> the But you get them all there, I figured it out, I figured it out, and they start explaining all the bits they've got together, and it's just the two pairs of eyes in the room slowly darkening as they've put together oh (laughs) Oh.
0: (laughs) yes and then you have the sidereal and the getimian kind of launching at each other to finish it off and then it's a case of the party choosing who to go with and that's your moment of decision
1: a b or the let's be honest the third teacher the nemon in the middle trying to stop them both (laughs) it would have to be a nemon
0: yeah fair enough
1: this feels like a very Nemon thing. Because <laughs> yes. any other house would get too into the investigation. Whereas a Nemon would be like, no, this is a teaching experience for them, and I'm a busy person. If this was worth investigating, I'd be doing it. And so it's the sort of. It's the case if they get their final choice there of A, B, or C, and it's the case of if they end up going after the Sid thinking the Sid is dodgy. It's why you almost have to make the Sid like. I would almost say like a chosen of secrets or chosen of endings, one whose powers look a lot more shifty and evil. This yep. is making the Gatimian, like spring or summer cast, one of the ones that looks prettier and happier.
0: Yeah, mm. and you're trying to work out how you're presenting them with what they do. And so they're both going to be doing questionable things, thinking everyone is an yes. instrument and so on. So you've got to be careful how you spin that and keeping them both grey. Although, I don't know whether I would wants to kind of back up my player's suspicions and kind of lean if they start to lean heavily towards one of the two options whether you want to start giving them confirmation bias or whether you want to start challenging it and having them constantly asking questions i'm not sure which is the more satisfying narrative experience there
1: it's why i think the two guilty parties have to basically be prime npcs from day 1 yes because it's the sort of case there of if they do end up going down the sort of confirmation bias path they will get pushed there by the other one, and it'll be the case of if you still want to give them that sort of out, for use of a better term, then it's the case of, wait a minute, why are they so eager that we go for this one? Why are they directing us about? <laughs> <laughs> That's what the baddie's been doing, and it's that sort of bit of... You sort of make it clear that like you're dealing with manipulators here. And yes. So the players then, when they start getting manipulated, they start thinking, now, wait a minute... <laughs>
0: yeah and that gets even more interesting for a setting like the cloister where you don't expect the politics. The cloister is supposed to be one of those big pure places where everyone has their all of their motives to be seeking enlightenment for the good of the Immaculate philosophy and yada yada and it's just the same as everything else and then it's also the case of the, for those sorts of mystery games where you're sort of feeding things through and where the education is not the point. I also think you need to start working out and leaning on what time is being sunk into these things and are they skipping lessons? Are they falling behind in their work? And are they having to spend time up at night? Is that having an impact on their performance in the morning sort of thing? So making it clear that the routine and the non-routine are clashing Feels like something that needs to be emphasized in secondary school games quite heavily.
1: Yeah. I'd almost make it a case of, and again, you don't have to ever show this to your players, but I would almost basically persona game it as the ref here, where you have sort of each day of game time, quote unquote, just chop it in two for simplicity's sake, or three morning, afternoon, night slot. And you as the ref just sort of have to keep note are they going off? and skipping out on classes all of the time and then it's the case of as they keep doing it they do it once or twice and you get the sense sensei being like why weren't you at class this morning and them having to be like well i was trying to investigate the weird mystery and like the first time it happens they're probably like, oh ho, ho, you precocious kids but if it keeps happening then they start getting some resistance from the school or the night ones i'd again say just Clean, make them make a stamina resistance roll. If they can't do that, then the next day they're getting a little bit of a penalty. Never make it more than minus one. Don't make it a a horrible thing unless they do uh, a week straight not sleeping, like (laughs) nutters.
0: Yes, and that's the thing. You you would need to then make it something they need to balance that you've got. They need to spend time on independent study. They need to spend time investigating what's going on. They need to spend time in class. Make it clear that you can't necessarily do everything well which kind of builds on the thing of the fatigue going and going, and then you can build it to climaxes like the school dance and stuff, which will happen in most places, if not all of them, even down to the heptogram, they need to teach everyone etiquette and manners.
1: Yeah, and it also encourages them to, and I know this is sort of a golden thing of DMs of like, no, don't let them split the party, but in these sorts of games, again, I think it is the fact that I'm used to dealing with a party of two where you can get away with doing it a lot more, but you can encourage them to try and cover for each other, sort of bit. And it's the thing of like, yeah, okay, right. If person X has to sneak out in the morning classes to try and see what's going on at this place, as long as one member of the party does turn up to those things, yeah, make a roll to see if you can take decent notes for them or something like that to try and mitigate the penalties. Yes,
0: and even if you are dealing with a large amount of players, that can function really nicely as well. Just on a practical note, I'm currently running a vampire game with about six seven players and i've made sure that everyone has some kind of independent project going on so that if it's down to three or four players of an evening i can just say right we're going to step aside from the main plot for now and just focus on your individual projects and working in your pairs and stuff so that you can ensure that there is something to do in whatever sessions so lots of players and making sure the party is split actually gives you a viable game when you don't have everyone along. It works really nicely.
1: Yeah, probably to move on before we end up just making like four different games in this. (laughs) Although, to lift the veil for you there, there, dear listeners, this is not scripted or structured like our normal Hooks episodes because the schools don't operate like that. (laughs) That's why we're kind of just throwing some ideas at you. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) So the next bit then I think is going to have to be your baby with this, the minor schools.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. It depends on quite what you want to do. Because my question is that are the minor schools really worth it? They feel like they're written very much to be just a background for a character. So that if you want a manse architect, there will be a secondary school that specializes in manse design that you can go to. And it's not one of the big schools and so you can have that degree of specialization if you want to set it for an actual game i would be a bit skittish unless you have a lot of player buy-in to start with that you say i want to tell a specific story about naval cadets and so you wind up going to one of the specific naval academies that isn't the house of bells and so you get buy-in Straight away. So everyone knows the flavour of the game to start with and will design characters to that specifically to start with.
1: I think one of your exceptions here is going to be for the ones like the Palace of the Tempered Storm, Hall of Ancient Stone. Oh, yeah. Because those ones are ones where, despite them being minor schools by every way of counting it, they have enough meat on their bones that you can do a story with them. Yeah,
0: they're a big enough concept.
1: Yeah, because it can range from Oliver Twist to St. Trinians.
0: Yes, yes it can. And I would probably recommend it veering towards the latter, if I'm brutally honest, because if you're doing a high school game without some hijinks, then I think you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just buying into that that sort of tropes. It's It's one of the more anime elements of Exalted, as far as I'm concerned. So it oh, yeah. has to buy into that kind of this-isn't-being-taken-entirely-seriously aspect.
1: We've sort of gone on throughout this, uh, especially when we were making three different games at once for you there, of how you could try and mechanise this. And I think the big thing that's probably setting some storytellers' little blaring alarms off is that fact of, if you set a game in a school, then lore suddenly becomes a god stat. And Exalted's (laughs) engine, in the nicest way, is already lousy for god stats Mm -hmm. and dexterity.
0: Yes. Basically, you need to make sure that The tasks that folks are being set are dependent on other things and making different projects. I mean, the Exalted Projects framework that you get presented within the core is a bit too mechanics light for this to be really worth it. But it's a good framework to at least think through plots that you can think, well, what do you need to do? In order to get something completed, so like a project. So, for something like the Spiral Academy, you are likely running a business of some sort. So, you need to find out some stuff about how the business works, who the folk are who are running it, and what, and if there's a particular piece of regulation that's causing problems or not. And so, you need to start having conversations, you need to start schmoozing, you need to be social. It's not just the case of sitting down and crunching the numbers with law. And similarly, if you are doing something that's theological in the cloister, it's the case that you need to be able to take the knowledge in and be able to argue your point and make your case in front of folk. So it's a performance role that will make your eventual case for when something lands and that you'll get marked on and it's the end product. And it's, I think a general sort of piece of advice for this is Don't ever, ever, ever let your players talk in system terms. I've picked this one up recently and it's worked really nicely for me. It's the case that you don't say, oh, I want to make a law role to do such and such. Or, oh, I want to make an investigation role to do such and such. It's no. No, what is your player doing? Describe your character's actions. And thinking really hard. I mean, I'm going to give full credit here to the angry GM, which is probably going to lose all um which is kind of going to lose my credibility here but i thought this was a fantastic piece of advice but thinking really hard is not an action particularly there are yeah. bits of exalted system that sort of fight this but it can sort of go other ways it's a case of well does your character know a thing yes no make a basic role to find out that sort of thing is not a school assignment, and introducing facts is not a school assignment. So you make the projects and the tasks that you have to complete in a secondary school into little bits and larger frameworks rather than individual roles. is kind of the main point I'm trying to make here.
1: Yeah, as a sort of an aside, if only because we came up with a decent heptagram game concept, a decent cloister game concept, and a decent house of bells game concept. You gave me the spiral one there where you were talking. So you'll sp- party up, spiral kids given their assignment of managing a business for a term or whatever, end up running afoul of the, of the Ragara Blackmail Network, basically because you're trying to investigate, hey, where's the money falling out here? And then you end up, like, bumbling into some low-end... Probably not student, because I don't think House Ragara... It's too successful at being evil to let teenagers into the black books. But the sort of case of a low-end, maybe on his way out, Ragara for the local area, who is extorting local businesses like they all do and it's the case of sort of trying to deal with the fact of basically some kids just trying to run a business running into the mob for use of a better term (laughs) yes that
0: would work really nicely although the the Spiral Academy it's a little difficult to pull that off without some specific circumstances because they don't tend to let pupils unless they're running errands for folk they don't tend to be out of the school building too
1: much So the latter the latter year students were basically running the businesses yes. from and
0: that's sort of the framework that i had in mind for the things that i had a note down here of kind of ender's game spiral academy edition which is the idea that you are running a thing rem- entirely remotely from the spiral making connections here and there and then a few sessions in once you've completed your education and you've established enough of a framework of what sort of a thing the players are managing they graduate, they go out into the field and they see everything that they've been doing and the effect of it.
1: The thing I was sort of seeing here is it's a bonus point if your immediate supervisor, the sort of teacher that is overseeing you running this business, is a ragger of much greater standing who has a personal grudge with the one that's extorting you guys, but is (laughs) like, no, this is a teaching opportunity. Yes. (laughs) And so he's not going to just slap the ragger away. He's like, oh, That's unfortunate. How are you going to deal with this?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's another broader point, actually, that secondary school games are a place for the realm social network to express itself. You are always someone's son or daughter, and (laughs) you are always going to have that pre-established set of well this family's second cousin slighted your great nephew and this that and the other so those sorts of petty rivalries that come from a setting entirely outside of what's going on with your characters can give a little bit of color and then particularly if you are going along the graduate sooner rather than later route then you can explore those in greater depth once you've got mature dragon blooded
1: yeah The other half of school games you can do, of course, if you don't want to play a bunch of dastardly kids and their talking dog, is playing the staff, which has its own measure of how things are going, because the environment inside a school from the staff's point of view, again, weirdly, the cloister gives us the the direct sight of this, though I think it's probably the same in all the others. It's just as cutthroat as the rest of Dragonblood society, but they're not allowed to show it off as much because the kids are there. And so it's the sort of, if you want to be playing the staff games, it's here you do have to be, there's something dodgy going on somewhere. There's an Islesi on staff, there's an, a solar in the in the heptagram, or, I don't know, you are a Cessus teacher who is, your party are some Cessus teachers who have been Tasked with spying on the entire school. (laughs) I would go against
0: that. I would say that you've got your teachers, and you just basically play out the realm civil war in miniature. You don't need an external thing.
1: I mean, the big one, of course, is dominate either dies, retires, whatever. Do the struggle for succession, and then that's your pure realm civil war in miniature. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) right down to the point. If you want to be really, really snarky, make sure there is one candidate per house. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you're having to suspend your disbelief by saying there's enough Nellons for there to be a Nellans here, but
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's actually easier then to sort of focus the thoughts of the civil war because you can narrow it down to the front runners and the occasional dark horse or again flip it that this then becomes something pivotal for a dark horse candidate because they have power here that they don't elsewhere and they become a thorn in the side of something elsewhere. It all depends on what way you want to spin it but
1: I mean you want some hijinks a lightbulb moment in my head of peak hijinks for this sort of structured realms of war in miniature office politics shenanigans game Yep. Bagway's locked himself in his room he hasn't come out for a week all of the other head staff are now sort of looking at each other like has he just blown himself up? <laughs> Bonus point as well, because again, this is the way you can make this moderately hijinks and have a slightly comedic tone despite all the other stuff, is no one wants to try the door because no one's sure what he's put on his door. Yes. And <laughs>
0: you basically just have it as the death of Stalin, the game. Yeah. Which is just genuinely hilarious. The death um, of Bagway. <laughs> yeah, death, yeah, death of Bagway, the, the game. And then you've got to kind of work out That's actually an interesting sense of exploration for the teachers. If you want to
1: have, say, Bagway die... Because there's never been another leader because he founded the thing. So no one's really sure what the procedure is.
0: No one's sure what the procedure is, and no one's sure of the fullest extent of everything at the heptogram. So... It's a case of you need to explore everything that's going on, get a handle on everything that you think Bagway had a handle on. So you've got secrets to explore in the Domine's Tower. You've got other odds and sods happening around the Heptagram that you're fairly sure were Bagway's little experiment corners that you've got to work out what were they doing, how were they doing it, what's going to go wrong.
1: And you have to still, while that's happening, make sure the students don't blow each other up so you can have the occasional genuine uh, magically combat episode every few sessions when a student accidentally summons a blood ape and lets it loose in the cafeteria <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah although yeah the way you would do things like that that's the way of having combat that where survival is not the only goal that something goes horribly wrong with pupils in the room and pupils, you need to save the kids yeah it's all about kind of defend other actions and making sure that they get to certain points and condition gauge properly and so on just from a systems point of view
1: and as a bonus to that the reason you as a ref schedule a fair few of these throughout one of the paths to potential victory there is the Dumbledore's army sort of technique where all the students just love you
0: yes absolutely and that's sort of one of the things for the civil war because it almost feels like a civil war game with staff would need to run multiple years because one of the big things about the schools in a civil war context for me is who gets let in and being able to control admissions and throttle your rivals out is one of the biggest power moves you can make so showing the effects of that as the administration swings from one to the other or just is locked onto one particular thing and you'd get nothing but nemons for example and the reason you cycle. do this
1: the reason you do this one in the heptagram and nowhere else you don't have the out of oh let's call in some higher government official because with the heptagram you can't That's people true. cannot know what goes on in the heptagram the be- the best thing you've got is try and find some heptagram graduates but if you're teachers you're probably still senior to them
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: because the, the issue is, it's like, who who would tell Bagway what to do? The old man. He's not a graduate. He shouldn't know what goes on here. We can't call him. No. <laughs> we're not calling Bannabus. No one likes him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, another game for that that we sort of touched on briefly is Passyap's Stare. You sort of have the outcast rebellion. So the task for that sort of a game, for me, if you're doing it from the staff, is getting everyone on side, deciding what the pupils want and just hammering them out into an actual army and trying to do it quietly enough and with enough funds that you can actually pose a credible threat to your political opponents. It's going to get a bit resource manage-y, I would imagine. You've got to juxtapose kind of wooing realm donors with the appearance of being increasingly anti-realm in some ways because you're supporting outcasts, but you've still got to secure the school's funding. And that's your sort of tightrope that would be sort of the main challenge, I feel. And so that you can actually get everyone graduated to a point where you can make a coup somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Though the thing that I'm thinking now with doing this in Passy Upstairs, you are kind of doing the plot of one of the latter-day Metal Gear games where you're doing the Militaire Sans frontière bit. Um, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> this nation has let us down we're its soldiers we're it's we're the people who fight and die for it and you're setting up your own splinter passy upstairs independent army (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: and that's kind of from flip between some serious character moments of trying to talk over the more popular kids and what kids they're not really kids in passy upstairs they will be older and just getting the older students on side you're kind of building
1: a mercenary crew more than you are doing a school thing
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely and it's the case of can you keep that fact hidden
1: until you've organized and can march out yeah i don't know whether you
0: would necessarily want to be the dominée in that in that scenario
1: i'd almost have it be a go full french revolution and one of your climax bits is whopping the Because the <laughs> domine one of the last well, loyalists there
0: given stone masks presentation in third she's kind of spoiling for a fight anyway just to kind of yeah punch the houses for what they've done to her beloved institution and her empress. That's
1: true. But then it's the case of... I'd almost say that she sees what you're doing still as treason because I'd almost say the player argument here isn't what she'd do. Like, no, we're fighting for the empress, even if the empress is gone. It's a, no, damn it! this whole realm has done nothing for us. It is a rejection of the realm, so you can go full realm critique. And then that's where Stone Mask has an issue with you because she's still... A realm loyalist, even if she hates what's happened to it,
0: depends on what the motivations of the players' characters are. Because I could see a cohort of Empress loyalists doing the same thing, and yeah. then you start having conversations with a Chelsea and seeing where that takes you.
1: Yeah, the fun thing with that one, of course, is again you run it over multiple years because you can have the civil war kick off halfway through, and then suddenly you turn it into a Fire Emblem game. <laughs> yes, <laughs> where yes, you are absolutely. a wandering army causing problems for people in the region. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're here to, you're here not to fight for any old schmuck to sit on the throne, but so you can be free. Damn it!
0: <coughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a case of just overthrowing the great houses altogether, and just who can you get alongside with that, or how can you just die gloriously in the attempt? Which I think would be what would actually happen.
1: Yes, you never know. You could, if you want to, be absolutely completely batty and put this in a in a rotsy situation. You could have Tepet too, where you end up marching just as she returns and again, because Red has a type, is just like, yeah, all right, that takes something. (laughs) But she's getting married, so... It's the realm, that doesn't stop you having a piece on the side. That's true. The other thing you can do, of course, in a Civil War situation, beautifully smooth segue, is... Latter-day Harry Potter, School Under Siege. This is the one where you can't actually do the heptagram for it because, frankly, if anything can get to the heptagram, you can't do anything about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's too much out of the player's control there, I think, because there are a whole bunch of magical defences of the heptagram that are just set to go off. So it's just not very fun for the players to watch things go off.
1: House of Bells or the Cloister, however. Yes. Both of those have fun for it. House of Bells, because you're just making an army at that point. Yes, yes. That works almost as the climax to a year or two where you've done the sort of Harry Potter thing and the player's like, oh, where's the big plot here then? We're just sort of trundling along doing the school year, getting to know each other and having fun. And then it's the thing of, no, remember all those little battles we had you do? No, here's the big one, and this one's for realsies. Versus the cloister, where people are coming to try and knock over the cloister for whatever reason, probably because they're trying to leverage the order. And yeah. it's the case of all of you, everybody was kung fu fighting, and they were <laughs> fast as lightning. Yeah, that's
0: the problem. That attacking the cloister is pretty much political suicide in the realm, is the only issue. So trying to find a scenario where that would happen is the biggest hurdle for me.
1: Easy option. Civil war is already happening. House of Celsius ties to the Order have been exposed. Uh, Follow through from that.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough.
1: And then the cloister, as well as the current mouth of peace, all of that, I can imagine, just flips to being persona non grata because, no, you've been sheltering the people that have been murdering us. Yes. Then you've almost got
0: a sort of a a bipolar game because you've got the cloister and you've got the Palace Sublime. They're both within fairly easy reach of each other. So you've got a dual power structure thing that you can kind of have going on and just.
1: And it's the case of which one of these is easier to fortify.
0: Yeah. Because
1: it could be the case of. I'm seeing the rather sweet bit here of just because I imagine the Palace Sublime is a bit harder to fortify because it's a lot prettier. Mm. That you end up moving the Mouth of Peace and everyone in, and you, as the students, are basically like, no, the, the Pope is here. You have to be nice. And trying to defend the Mouth of Peace from these heretics. Yes. Apostates.
0: Ag- again, I'm not sure that there would necessarily be absolutely outright attacks on it. You wouldn't get a full on siege of the cloister but you would get an increasing amount of folk who want the Mouth of Peace to come out for various reasons or just straight up trying to assassinate them some way.
1: Yeah, and it's the way you level the field as well, by the way, because, again, the preemptive here is that you've exposed House of Salci, which unfortunately does mean that this is basically the only thing the Houses agree on. Uh, Yes. This has to be dealt with. The Mouth of Peace has come in. The old line of the Sids don't care about the cloister anymore has now changed. The Mouth of Peace is there. Yes, That's their person. And so it's the case of, even though you are outnumbered and outgunned, and you are mostly children, you've got the force multiplier of all force multipliers. Yes. And they're not telling you they're there. Although I
0: would be careful with that. That runs into the problem of making the NPCs the main characters.
1: Now this is a bit of, again... They're still Sids. They still don't want you to know they're there, mm-hmm. and so they're not going to be going out there doing their SMA in the in the front and beating people up and flipping them over. Yeah, it can still be the case of you get the subtler sort of workings of it. That basically, so you can reduce the conflicts the players have to deal down with from it's an army to it's a few scales because yeah, like on the way there they ran out of water, uh, there was a landslide, all of these odd little coincidences that the players probably won't even hear about. But <laughs> well,
0: I would make if you're gonna make go to the trouble to make sure that they happen, then having the players hear about them in some way is probably the mouth a good of peace. thing.
1: The other way you do it, of course, is the mouth of peace is selling this of the dragons are with us. This is the power of our faith. Yes. <laughs> it's that bit of actually trying to build you up into a zealous little children's crusade force.
0: <laughs> yes. I think with that we kind of blown through most of the ideas and structures that we had.
1: Yeah. This episode has not had as much of a solid structure as the other ones. Not at all. <laughs> honestly, look at it this way. We've given you like five or six maker things by my count now where we've got into like weirdly enough detail. Mostly because every single school has quite a funny major game you can do with it.
0: Yes, and you can kind of flip the strengths of the school on its, on its ah. head almost. Think about what where the weak spot of each school is and exploit it for an overarching plot to kind of turn the school upside down.
1: Do we want to do the thing we were talking about before we started recording here, just to finish it off, since this recording hasn't gone on for that long?
0: Yep, go for it.
1: We're going to talk about the Runaway game, because this is the thing that sort of smacked me in the head when when we started talking before the recording here. So, you want your players to all actually be family or extremely close friends, as in, house almost doesn't matter level close friends. Mm.
0: Which is a bit of a contrivance, but it can happen.
1: Not 100%. Again, if you go with the thing of, we've been here from primary school onwards.
0: Yeah, you could almost leverage some secret society stuff into this. Yeah,
1: do the secret society thing as well with it, frankly. Basically, again, my standard player group of two, I just assumed pair of twins was my default. But you can do it with a larger party. You just need to get more ways to make sure that these people are more loyal to each other than they are to anything else. Which, for a player group, you kind of almost want anyway, but you have to make absolutely dead sure of that. One or more, as long as there's at least one dragon left, Exalt's wrong. Dealer's choice as to what you want to make them. Solar is the funniest, for reasons I will get to shortly, but it works just as well with Lunas, and... Weirdly, if you wanted a a much darker tone, it works just as well with Abyssal's. Poor little Jimmy went down to the landslide and then got back up, but it works just as well.
0: Yeah, or if you want to... It depends on what your stance is with the whole Can Only Exalt Once deal, but having an accident when you're drilling in the House of Bells. Particularly, or if you want to make it that you are one of those fantastically unlucky mortal dynasts that goes to the House of Bells or something
1: or exalted wrong over the summer holidays because you don't have to actually do the moment of exaltation for this
0: mm, true because i was sort of thinking of the idea if you're going with the conceit of kind of twins or something like that that if you have family ties then the family can possibly push enough money that to get all of their particular crop in in one year and then have one of them not be an exalt and which leaves them free to become an abyssal in an accident if you or want pop to keep- as a
1: solar for fun
0: yeah, Abyssal is with my other thoughts because we were dealing with Abyssals. But if you want to keep the whole, can only be one Exalt type yeah. uh, as a thing. I, n- I know that you're a bit funny about that because you can kind I'm, of transfer from one to the other as far as you're concerned. Yeah. but
1: I'm a bit more flexible about it, mostly because Second was never certain about its rules about it either. And a lot of these things are weirder. Though, to be fair, even my stance of it is it's hard for a dragon to change, it's a lot easier for everyone else to because dragons' ones don't move it is the long and short of it, whereas other exaltations do. Either way, popping as a solar is the funniest thing. Abyssal, while it's the easiest to do a dramatic scene for, it's also the least funny because, well, A, we don't have a book for them, so you'd have to use some homebrew, but B, traditionally speaking, they don't go as nutty as solars. It's one of their few upsides.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on what you want to do, because the conceit that we're sort of working towards here is that the non-dragon exalt will get exposed at some point, and then you will have to break out. You need to run away from school and move to somewhere else. The thought with the Solars was that you can potentially connect with the Cult of the Illuminated and finish off your education in a training camp somewhere with them in one of their temples. With a bunch but- of
1: other little solar types for maximum <laughs> shenanigans. Oh uh, the sunlings. He killed the sunlings. <laughs> it's cause it's the bit there of what I was seeing it's the line that came up in our pre recording chat listeners was teenagers with a limit track. Oh no. <laughs> cause we mentioned before about how you can have everyone get unreasonably angry and intense about things that are very, very minor. Yeah, now imagine that with what happens when solars get upset. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. It would just be just deliriously silly, and the case of do you have to rebuild the school this year? No. Oh, that makes a change.
1: Yeah. The fun bit, of course, though the early stages we've jumped straight to the runaway bit. We have the early stages there is a bit more of a again a bit more of a high jinks, higher stakes, but still very high jinks heavy. Weirdly, as the sort of you can actually do tense but funny in this one of the dragon in your party covering for the other one trying to make sure that they don't get found out
0: yeah it's the case of it's all hijinks and wonderful until it's not and it can Mm. be not very very quickly
1: yeah and it's sort of the bit of like we had lots of little skits that we were seeing with this of sort of the dragon in the party getting sort of known by everyone else about useless dragon, can't control his essence, his anima's constantly going crazy. And they sort of see that as that sort of personal failing in the same sort of way as a teenager who's always very, very sleepy. Because I imagine that's the level that it is if you've got a bit of a nutty anima as a a young dragon. Yeah. It's a... Yeah, that's not ideal, but whatever. But in reality, you're flaring your anima all the time because it's quite destructive and you're helping to destroy evidence. (laughs) (laughs) And it's all that sort of stuff. But then as soon as... Like we sort of said, it can go on a dime of as soon as you're caught now it is run or be killed
0: yes so you then have in essence the if you're at the house of bells you have the hunt as a game where everyone will be hunting you down while you try and get out and yeah i would veer away from doing this sort of a game in the cloister simply because you have so many martial artists around
1: though the flip side is the cloister is the one place that you are likely to have a friend there who can help you get out because if the bureau doesn't bother with the cloister that much. That smacks of the Illuminated will try and have a guy there as a spy.
0: Oh yeah, you could probably have a gold faction, sidereal there quite.
1: And it's the thing of like, it'll be less, again, don't use them as the combat guy unless it's the case of they're holding the door while you slip away. But you have them be the case of when your players are about to get caught when they're trying to escape of no, quickly, this way, tum, door goes up. Yeah, that that
0: wasn't a corridor before.
1: Yes, it was. It was a secret corridor, I promise. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> as, the, as the little... As the little Oh, what's Mercury's colour? Can't remember. Whatever the colour of the um of the Mercury banner is comes sort of up.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden, you
1: can get out. Yeah, and if we want to do three-act structure for this one, act one is hijinks heavy in the school, ends with you are caught. Act two is you're on the run bit, or again, I, I'm calling this less acts and more seasons, frankly, because I think each of them can have a... Yeah arc of their own. Season 2 is your on-the-run bit, which is probably going to be the grimmest you're going to get because it is going to be proper on-the-run while being teenagers. This is where, if you like your realm critique, oh, you can pile on your realm critique. And also you can weirdly pile on your hope-for-humanity meter with the little peasants that aren't actually dragons helping you out because, oh, that's some kids on the run. Um, And it's that bit. And then Act 3 is where you finally find a safe place whether that's the illuminated whether that's you managed to get off the aisle whatever it is yeah
0: i would sort of have the end of act two being you get off the aisle and yeah. then act three is exploring whatever bit of the threshold is likely to be the most likely yeah. to harbor you
1: i mean my gut again it depends a little bit on what kind of exalt you are the non-dragon is and also what house background the play- the characters had. Because remember, they might have different ideas about where is a good idea or not. Because yeah, if they were tepets, they'll run north. Because like, yeah, you can't get dragons in the north. That's a, that's a dead zone for them. And it's the slightly adorable and hilarious bit of two small children looking for the bull. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. While trying to avoid all of the fair folk that are up there, I can yeah. really see them kind of... that. You can have those two small children get a reputation and then they will be something that the locals will either think are cursed or something else. You, you can have some really interesting kind of evolution of in-game story there.
1: Easy option, of course, is Scavenger Scaven lands, lands, where yep. the, the tricky bit is basically getting past Luxhy because yes. they want you dead just as much as anyone else. But once you're past look shy, you're fine.
0: Or you just peg it to Great Forks. but
1: Yeah, e- even then, remember the route in, Luxshy is on that river. That's um, true. And they do... Well, you'll hear in our scavenger lands bits, the mouth of that river, Luxai is very, very protective of, because it's how they stop the realm from constantly invading. If you go for the abyssal one, hilariously, small children running for thorns. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's where we find one. That's what I am now, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Or, again, you go south. That depends on the conversations you've had as in sort of Act 2 sort of thing. Because running away to thorns strikes me as a very, very... Odd thing for someone who's been realm educated to do, no matter Depends. what they are, because
1: mm. you've had if you've had your school lessons. Because I almost think you're saying do the setup for where you run to in Act Three and Act Two. I'd almost say you have that decision be a thing in Act One where you actually do your lesson content. Yes, because it's
0: like the thing of oh, it will help inform it, sure.
1: And it's the thing of if you if your kid's gone abyssal, then it's the case of Thorns is a kingdom of the dead where the living have no place, blah, 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 blah. and then sort of your abyssal kid where he's on the run. Wait a minute. Hmm. Actually I feels quite appealing. I'm a thing of the dead. Yeah. That's for me. Uh, you go south. I don't know enough about the south to know who the troublemaker is down there that you can try and find, but there is one. Hiding with the tricon just for fun, because the tricon will probably shelter you just to annoy the realm. Yes. <laughs> Said facetiously, but also it's kind of weirdly in character. Or go out west for any number of things out west. There's options in any direction you want to go.
0: Yeah, if you're doing a lunar and a dragon blood, it head to the call and you just yeah. could have run so into the ma- wild. You could have so many misunderstandings about who is doing what when you arrive at the call as to because you have both sides represented and it's just what happens where do we go? Ah!
1: Yeah, and it's an excuse to um I don't know why I'm getting really excited about a um oh, what was that book? For third, with all the extra charms in it, the wacky ones.
0: And Miracles of the Solar Exalted. Or Miracles of the Just a Solar One
1: though. Miracles of the Chosen or whatever it was. Yes. This book. We will put it in the links for the books that we do at the bottom of everything. Because there's a thing in that. There are charms in the back of that for establishing a, a bond thing. Um, that yeah, is mechanically a, a lun- a equivalent to the solar bond. lunar bond between a between a dragon and either of the things, and you can finally use that charm. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, also, plot. the idea of with the loon- with the lunar and the dragon running to the call is quite fun because you can annoy Shiaoka. There are two other options that are funnier to run to as well. Blue Haven, both eastwards.
0: Well, not not Blue Haven. Uh, the Leviathan's place.
1: Oh, okay. Three. <laughs> Three. I forgot about Leviathan. I'm yeah. not a west expert. Yeah. Option A, try to run to Mahalanka. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a Lunar, and also, while she has a beef with dragons, she's clever enough to appreciate that, oh, this is a leveraged one. That's amazing.
0: Yes, and you can also use the whole thing, if you're going to go for someone like Raxi or one of the elder Lunars, that's mm. a whole invitation to kind of have the third act then starting to explore the nature of the Silver Pact. Yes. And getting involved with that.
1: And it's the reason you're going for these big names instead of just finding your local pact is because your school lessons didn't really tell you there were local pacts everywhere. They basically only focused on the big names like everyone else does. (laughs) The third option, of course, is trying to run to the nameless lair. Where it's the case of, that's the big scary Luna and the dragons don't like going there. That means that's the one place we're safe because dragons don't like going there. And then the horrifying act three bit where you have to go through the jungle.
0: Yeah, the only issue with that is the geography, because in order to get to the Nameless Lair, you need to get very close to Thorns and or look shy.
1: Yeah, uh, but I was going to say, it's the the escape from the Isle bit. I almost imagine you're going to stow away on a boat. Yes. Because you're not going to be openly on a boat unless you've got some very good friends. Or, option C for being very, very funny. You manage to acquire money by criminal deeds or something like that, yes. and you just pay the guild to ship you out because they absolutely would.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely.
1: They don't care. Um, yeah, but it's that bit of sort of smuggling yourself up the Yellow River and then just running like due south from Great Forks is your way of avoiding look shy. But there's lots of places you can go, and it's basically globe-trotting. Games in Exalted are hard to do normally because. Oh, scale, and oh, how would you do a plot? But here, the journey is the plot because you are running away.
0: Yes, and it's a case of, will this place take us? No. What sort of a pla- What sort of a place is this going to be? Can they help tell us about where, where the we're villages, trying to get sort to? Yeah. You can kind of breadcrumb stuff in the kind of the interim bits of, is this going to lead us anywhere? And the answer kind of has to be yes, but it's just a question of whether it's the place that they're leading them to will be the place they want to be. Yeah. For something like that, I would lay a red herring or two, some double crossing in there. Yes. Particularly in the early stages.
1: I mean, if you want the obvious betrayal, mostly because I hate them, if you have the guild help you get out, they might not be done with you.
0: No, absolutely.
1: <laughs> and it's it's that sort of bit of then the guild trying to have you do jobs and it goes a bit all of a twist <laughs> again.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then you've got sort of the breakout of you reveal that you are, in fact, a celestial and a dragon. And then the guild are suddenly both scared and more interested and possibly become your third act antagonist.
1: Yeah. And that explains it then. How you're out in the threshold where the realm has a harder time getting you, but you are still being chased. It's because now you're running away from the guild, yes, and their infinite money, yes, or more accurately, one like guild factor who has decided that this is his Moby Dick, yes, or equally, if you don't want it to be the guild, a wild hunt gets called for you at some point as you're just breaching the aisle and you've got some nutty dragon that's chasing you to the ends of the earth.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or um, someone from Look Shy.
1: Yeah, but they're both depends where you go if
0: you head west. Or not not if you head west, if you head east.
1: Yeah, depends where you go, but you can always be being... I think the the goal here is basically that you are being chased. Yes. And it's, yeah. The best bit, of course, is... Well, I say the best bit. For some refs, this might be a bit nightmarish, but I kind of love it, mostly because I'm very, very bad at sitting down and writing out a whole game in advance. I tend to be (laughs) a lot more session to session. But this is very, very player-directed as to where things go and which way they end up. Because yep. the entire globe trotting, even which way of the four main directions they try to go, that's going to be down to them as to mm. where they think is safe. You can lay a bit of a path for them if you think the players want that, but if you've got players that know the setting more, or if you've got players that just like taking a lot more initiative and like a lot more sandboxy sort of gameplay, this weirdly lets you use... It's a way to use creation as a whole as a sandbox without having to actually write creation as a whole because they're only ever going to be going in a line.
0: Yes, that's true. And one of the things that you can do as a corollary of that, if you are doing the act structure, then the breaks between the acts gives you the breathing space to build things as you need to and reorient stuff. Particularly your break in between Act 2 and Act 3 is going to be a mm. big one.
1: Really between Act 1 and Act 2 as well because I think after you've busted out of school, suddenly you basically have free run of the aisle. Which is also a big place, and where the players are going to try and go is another question there. And yeah, it's the case of basically running around, trying to make friends, trying to survive. And I think it's all going to feel a bit a series of unfortunate events. Yes. Um, <laughs> and
0: do they go home is also another question.
1: Oh, can they even go home?
0: Yeah. Oh. But if they think they might be able to, and they might actually be able to persuade mm. Mummy that they're worth keeping... I mean, they won't be, for this story to work. But they can try and it can be be some pathos. Yes, absolutely a piece of pathos.
1: The way for them to think that it actually might not be a completely stupid idea is basically a case of you make them from a house that has some beeves with the Immaculate Order. Like Nellons. Yes. It's weird to say that the Nellon's dragon is going to be the heroic saviour of his sibling. But And it explains why they would be able to pump so much money that a dragon and their the time non-exalted sibling could get into a proper secondary school because yeah nellens absolutely have that kind of money
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that works really and nicely
1: for nellens it would be an ideological point of pride that they put a mortal in there yes that it's all of that sort of stuff of they can go there and then no that's an anathema that's bad the big tragic bit where they have to run away from home or potentially even worse fight mummy and daddy Yes. Which, if one of them is celestial, isn't nearly as unbalanced as it sounds.
0: No. <laughs> no, that will work. And yeah, it's a question of do you kill them? Do you just drive them away? What happens? Mm. There's a lot hanging on those emotional stakes. Or at least they <sighs> should be.
1: I wanna run this. I wanna run this. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you wanna run most of the things we talk about eventually.
1: We do. But unfortunately, this one was planned basically in my head when I was envisioning this. It's specifically with the player group I normally run things with. <laughs> nice and so i i kind of already know where i can see things going and what i can see things happening because okay. i have to put it in the queue of games that i've got lined up for them
0: <laughs> oh i know that feeling
1: this is what well, i think that is basically that short of us trying to do the entire podcast series in miniature to show tell you what are the different things you could do in every single direction pretty but, much so yeah, keep yeah. listening and this little concept here will get more and more interesting the more you learn about how creation is. <laughs> yes. And See I think that, that's, that's a returning listener hook. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. And I think with that, that is pretty much everything for this episode. We do hope that you've enjoyed this meander through our much more scattered thoughts than usual on the secondary schools and things that you can do with them, things you can do with secondary education in general. And yeah, yeah enjoy running those games if you can get people to, to, that want to run them they are very fun and you can do an awful lot of character building and they can set up an awful lot of other things as well as you perhaps discovered but in the meantime next episode will be our realm roundup uh, unless i am very much mistaken which is entirely possible so we will be covering things like the scarlet empress uh, scarlet prefecture and Various other things I will do my best To make sure that Rells does something Other than talk about How to run the return Of the Scarlet Empress For this Hooks episode
1: I will talk about that However I yes. cannot be stopped But there will be Other things
0: Yeah There will be other things I'm well aware That this is going to be The one where you can Talk about how to do that Particularly The born. Si- yes
1: They also <laughs> I-, I can't give you The full read out Of that book But I can at least Give you the Why you don't mess around With the Imperial Mountain And yes. uh, also The Imperial ments, which is another thing that Second had a lot of fun with.
0: Yes, absolutely. But we've got all that fun to look forward to next time. In the meantime, if you like what we're doing, if you don't, uh, or if you just want to say hi however drop us an email at wondrous atlas at gmail.com we are on twitter at wondrous atlas if you want to put a few pennies our way when you buy your next role-playing book through drive through rpg we are drive through rpg affiliates the affiliate link is in the description or the show notes depending on where you're finding this and until next time thank you ever so much for cracking open the wondrous atlas of creation's destiny with us goodbye Thank you for listening to the Wondrous Atlas of Creation's Destiny, an exalted podcast presented by Aramithius and Rails. Check out the show notes and story seeds from this episode at wondrousatlas.wordpress.com, and if you have any questions, drop us an email at wondrousatlas@gmail.com. The opening music for this podcast is Traveling to the Blessed Isle by James Semple, and the closing music is Exploring Creation, also by James Semple. Both tracks are taken from the album Exalted, Dreams of the Second Age, and are property of Onyx Path Publishing, used with permission. I've just got... We've lost yeah we we've lost the plot here to go with
1: it we have
0: oh it's our oh, children's crusade no uh <laughs> oh, bad 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 images we're professional tonight